I will say though, that's a lot of cometh. There's a lot of cometh in that quote. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah people, it. I think that this is further proof that that whole uh, gods are not real thing is a load of malarkey the emperor's pushing. <laughs> he has faith in everything he has. Stop, stop being surprised. People turn religious. <laughs> well, you do it. You can have you can have faith in things which are not necessarily religious. I have faith that yeah, my can. delivery I, driver I think, will come as everybody's delivering my pizza. Yeah, so, you can, but I think in the context of this, Warhammer, like, yeah. Mm. kind of faith, yeah. There's... I like that idea that your example, how that when you get it, you're like, praise be to Pizza Hut when you get it. <laughs> well, I know it's coming, but I'm not exactly, I'm not uh, putting my hands together and worshipping the pizza gods, although maybe we all should because it's divine. Um, they bestowed an extra garlic dip. Praise be. I, I, <laughs> Praise be to him, because Lord knows you cannot out pizza the hut. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Beginner to Expert podcast on law crimes. We are continuing with our historical telling of both the the time before and during the Imperium. Uh, If you've been following what we've been doing for the last few episodes, you'll know that last time we were at the Great Crusade, where we we did an overview of the events, and now we're starting to get into the nitty gritty of it because there's a lot to talk about with the great crusade and today is no exception because we're going to be starting on probably the first of maybe three four five more parts where we're going to discuss all the different uh, legions but we'll get into that to begin uh, this episode though it is time for the question of the week now uh for those of you who are on our last episode uh, the question of the week we had our friend Dredanon on, which was very good fun. It was the Blood Ravens episode. And the hashtag was hashtag klepto. What would you steal from the 40k universe? And I've got a few uh, choices. I'm excited for this one. I'm really ready. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah. uh, there's there's some uh, some pretty good ones. So we'll start things off with uh, DJ Beast, who's a regular commenter. And uh, shout out to you, mate. We, we love to see you on the channel commenting on the live streams and such. He said... Hashtag Klepto, I would steal Ferris Manus. With how much law that guy has, I don't think anyone would know he's missing until the 50th millennium. Oh, ouch. Oh. That's, that's my, iron chat, boys. my iron heart. Oh, where does this guy live? I need to fight him. <laughs> I'm not. It's definitely the highest rated oh. one of all the comments. Fight him what for being right? I didn't say he was wrong. <laughs> I just said I had to fight him. <laughs> he didn't even say anything mean. He just said he has no lore. <laughs> I know. God, they really got ahead of themselves, though, didn't they? Oh, oh I know. I know. I know. It sucks. Nice. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so the second one we have for, is, is from uh, is it Casmud twenty one thirty one? He said hashtag klepto. I would steal the L from the World Eaters name to make it even easier for people to get their name mixed up with the word bearers, which is something <laughs> at the time. Uh, I actually so that's again, a that's a real issue, isn't it? I actually had that. Yeah, before. I, think, I think I want to hit that guy with a brick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I'm pretty sure that was the second highest rated of all the comments as well. So like, yeah, by popular demand, if you if you will. The word eaters, um, they aggressively. How, how, read how books. many likes does? How many likes did it have? Uh, Nineteen. I want to hit 19 people. The <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive, like, literally, uh, 
Even they have like librarians in Warhammer. This, these are like a legion of aggressive librarians, and not the magic kind, the book kind. And they just <laughs> book kind. And as they hit you, they're just going shh, make less noise while we're beating you. Hit you um, that silence. Uh, how do I pronounce this? Uh, so the next one is from Anarion Targaryen six nine seven three, and he said, "I would steal the sword of Cain from fantasy." and take it to the 40k universe and give it to the Eldar so they can start killing named characters. Yes! Oh, wow. That yes! One's for, that one's for Colin. N yes! Never had such a simp of a question. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, answer, sorry. Colin's favorite subscriber now. <laughs> All based in Tyrion pill. <laughs> but who's that? I, I knew it would make Colin happy. <laughs> who's the, Colin has to answer, though, who's the first named character who gets it, then? Uh... uh... It'd be fun, uh, you know. That's what I. That's what I need to think on, because it would be depending on, you know. There's a couple answers I think would be quite a uh, poetic. You know, Captain Artemis of the Death Watch probably has it coming after he ruined Iniad. Uh, it would be really funny if he just murdered uh, like the lion immediately after he comes back. And he just gets ganked. Uh, that would make me laugh. Really. Calgar also would be pretty needs, funny. He just I, needs to die, and that, I like that's the epic enough. More so. No man, Marnanius killing Calgor. What's Mar that about? Marnanius Calgor will live forever. <laughs> That's right, babe. Calgor uh, needs to die. He's just so old, dude. There, there was one question I found that made me laugh really hard because of the second half of it. May I, may I give that one a read? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. This one is uh, from Liz SP Nine LB, and uh, you know hashtag klepto. I'd steal whatever Eldritch hair products allowed the Emperor to have hair that straight. Despite regularly holding a flaming sword six inches from his head. So first of all, that's a good point. However, the second part was also the episode was great. I can't believe Colin was able to record with the Blood Ravens actively tunneling into his home. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, my bad on the construction timing did not work out very well. They do. Uh, so there was a, they do destroy something in the live chat. There was just like the Imperial fists are currently fortifying Colin's position. I'm like brilliant. <laughs> Oh, people are so funny. I also had the blood, uh, blood, oh, sorry, blood angels. I always made the goof. <laughs> We're not even in the podcast I know. anymore. <laughs> the blood ravens do uh, destroy knowledge of their legion in other places, so they would come for they you. They do. He, he was at, they were after me. Law accurate. Bury him. Uh, and the last comment I have is from uh, CRDT2TM. Uh, you know how, how happy I just made you before, Colin. Uh, you might want to brace yourself for this one. It's going to get ruined, it, isn't it? Well, he's, it's hashtag klepto. I would steal Colin's shit takes on Bretonia, Chads, and offer them oh, up as nice, the greatest gift nice, Nurgle please, has ever received. Please, please. Oh, I see, I see. I, 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 now want, I now want to hit 21 people with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> with one brick or more bricks? Listen, man, whatever it takes. <laughs> Colin, did you, you see don't want to bring one brick and then it shatters. You know, you need several just in case. <laughs> Indeed. What'd you see, look? Did you see the deadlifts for the Grail that I that I uh, mentioned you? Oh, it's nice. Uh, I don't think I did. Uh, oh, I'm gonna need to look at that when I'm not. <laughs> put it up in the edit. I'm gonna need to not look at it right now because it'll <laughs> ruin the audio. But I will. Actually, is he gonna make? Is is that guy gonna get uh, the pipe sound effect now? <laughs> because he's yeah, really it's more and more tempting. <laughs> we'll have to explain that at some point. Oh yeah, I'll explain it. All right. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna do it. Uh. You gotta save it. Save, let's save you, it for a good point. You gotta wait till point. no one has it coming. You gotta wait till you're <laughs> in the middle. Really in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
yeah. Uh, not a fan of Bretonia. Not a fan of that comment. <laughs> Zero out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten for me, baby. Uh, oh, uh, with that said and done, we need. It's time for us to put up a new question of the week, and uh, this one I believe was devised by Hal, and it's. I think it's brilliant. Uh, so the hash. Well, we'll say what it is first. So question of the week is best chaos god to worship? Question mark. And the hashtag is Chaos Me Daddy. So hashtag Chaos, chaos Me Daddy. Daddy. Let's go. Who is the best Chaos God? And why would you worship them? You know, you can I'm, give I'm a. Assuming it's going to be mainly Slanesh, but we'll see. We'll you, see. you can give a genuine <laughs> answer if you want, or you can just make it um, completely just brain dead ruined. If you know what I mean, we we like all kinds of answers. We're Are we going to ban them. anyone who says um, malice, or is that okay? It's technically uh, it's, mouse it's, best, it's, mouse best uh, Also, we didn't say it has to be forty k. You can also mention the great horned rat if you wanted to. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Praise, praise Hashut. Yeah. Oh, may, yeah. may your may your may your cast dwarf laborers forever <laughs> earn you all the gold. Don't worry, they're not slaves. They're laborers. Yeah. <laughs> they're employed technically. <laughs> also, I, I thought you meant a video, Eli. I I did in fact see that. Already oh, okay, okay. was not a fan, uh, but it is a cool design. It is a cool design. We're gonna make deadlifts for the lady as well because I got people asking. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually wearing a deadlift for the dark god, uh, dark gods. Uh, oh, nice. Hoodie. Um, oh, hideous. Blessed. Anyway, anyway, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, fans merch someday. One day, I, I have some ideas. Um, but yeah, uh, with that all said and, and done, and speaking of deadlifts for the Dark Gods, I suppose it's time to pass it over to Eli for uh, the beginner section, I believe. Uh, is that yeah, the case, me. Eli? Brilliant. Yeah, it would be me. I, today we're going to talk about the first and third and fourth legions of Space Marines and what they were up to during the Great Crusade, and maybe a little tiny bit slowly before that, because they were kind of Pretty sure all of them were around in the Unification Wars. So, first of all is the Dark Angels, the First Legions, the OGs of the Space Marines. We've talked about Lionel Johnson quite a lot on the channel, so I think many of our viewers may know a thing or two about these knightly honorable guys. But they were the absolutely first Astartes to fight for the Emperor and with the Emperor, and were once divided into six distinct combat wings known as the Hexagrammaton which doesn't exist really nowadays as much as it used to, but it was big for them back then. They found their Primarch Lionel Johnson on the world of Caliban and quickly took to his knightly ways. During the Crusade, they had a record only rivaled by the Luna Wolves and grew to become one of the largest legions until losing over 50,000 Space Marines in the Rangdan Xenocides. Uh, the Legion developed a rivalry with Lehman Russ and the Space Wolves, and they had some uh, issues... Uh, you know, internally with Mr. Luther, the Lionel Johnson's second in command, almost letting Lionel Johnson be assassinated. Uh, the Lion sent Luther and some legionaries back to the homeworld of Caliban, and this would prove to be a disastrous mistake in the times to come. Uh, Hal will talk about them a lot more in the expert section. The Emperor's Children were likely, in my opinion, the most noble and regal of all the Space Marine Legions ever and were literally the best Legion before <sighs> bad things happened. Uh, during the Great Crusade, they were so lauded and perfect that the Emperor gave them and only them permission to bear the Palantine Aqui Aquila upon their breast because they saved the Emperor from uh, some insurgents and the Emperor liked them very much. They constantly strove for perfection, and anything less was seen as failure. They were loved by the Imperial Army men, and they were great leaders. 
They were truly the embodiment of perfection and all that the Emperor desired for his space marines. They were kind of similar to the uh, salamanders, I'd say, before Fulgrim came along, and even afterwards, at least with how the humans liked them. Uh, let's see. Once they found Fulgrim, things got a little bit better because before Fulgrim, they were suffer suffering horribly from a blight within their gene seed and a lot of gene seed like disasters. Um, but Fabius kind of got them through that. Fulgrim helps them more on that later. Fulgrim, who leads them, is the Phoenician. He is the most beautiful of the Primarchs, uh, rivaled by Sanguinius. But Fulgrim's all natural, baby. Sanguinius has wings and stuff, so let's get him <sighs> out of there. He's uh. The Legion was full of sublime swordsmen, many artists, but when they came to the planet of Lair, everything changed and things went downhill. The 4th Legion were the Iron Warriors. They still are the Iron Warriors. Uh, they're determined and brutally efficient. Their gene seed was very stable, so they were very numerable in the early times of the Great Crusade and the Unification wars and all that jazz uh, and they originally saw very very good success in the opening stages of the great crusade and they had tons of warriors and lots of fancy war machines but they never changed their ways throughout the crusade as all the other legions kind of adopted their own wacky fancy combat styles and ways of warfare that were usually fueled by pride a lot of the time more than anything else um and they just very flashy, depending on the Legion, I guess. Uh, but the Iron Warriors never changed, which made them very reliable for certain types of warfare, which unfortunately meant the uh, Imperium sent them to kind of the worst war zones to fight in grueling siege battles in very uh, unglorious wars with no attention, really. So nobody gave them any thanks. No one really paid attention to them. The other Legions thought they were kind of... Uh, they didn't really have any honor because of their ways of attrition, and they just became relentless and apathetic, which only got worse when they met Perturabo, who uh, ordered decimation upon seeing his legion. He would later then send them into grinding and bloody wars, sowing out all of the weakness in them and letting only the strong survive. Uh, so they were basically already severed from the Imperium before the Horus Heresy, and they were very much on their own. But I will let Hal begin on the expert section and get into the nitty-gritty of all these things. Thank you very much, Eli. I'm not going to lie, my mind is still thinking of the uh, Law Crimes merch from earlier, and I was thinking, because it's Law Crimes, <laughs> we have jumpsuits, and like, they have, oh my like, gosh. like, things written about. I do have the idea of, like, all of us in front of, you know, like, the police, like, the grid, the lines with, like, the, you hold up the number, and then, Oh, yeah, like, like, yeah, like, oh my god, that'd be yeah, pretty just good. Have law Crimes. I have some ideas for some designs, so we'll see, we'll see. We're just, like, Warhammer quotes written wrong. Like loyalty, <laughs> loyalty is its own special discount or something like that. It's own reward, <laughs> something. Uh, yeah, all written wrong. Bring forth the corrupt politicians. Death, <laughs> death to the false um, clown god or something. You know, just like just like a little bit off kilter. Um, Leave Chagarak alone, bro. <laughs> sorry, but uh, we're not speaking of uh, Lord Christ merch today. We're speaking of the. Uh, first few legions in the Great Crusade, and we do begin with the Dark Angels Legion. Uh, obviously, with the return of Lionel Johnson, there's probably quite a few of you who are like, either you're just learning about Warhammer or you're already in it, and you kind of like, oh, these guys are getting a lot of love recently, and for yeah. good reason, because the Dark Angels Legion were actually the prototype legion formed in the Imperial Palace towards the latter part of the 30th millennium they would be the very first experimentation with astartes gene seed they were literally the template from which all other legions would be created 
And a lot of their recruits that were drawn from the Legion, a lot of the other Legions, they would draw from like similar places, people from different backgrounds. The first Legion that they're known at the time, um, they actually had uh, recruits come from all cultures across Terra at the time. Um, they didn't have anything uh, unifying them, so they kind of made their own unique culture within the Legion, which is kind of like a blend of many of the different uh, Terran-born uh, kingdoms that had fallen or capitulated to the rise of the Emperor. In fact, the First Legion, being the First Legion, they had access to many of the tactics, war gear, and intelligence that would be tested first within them and then given to the other legions. So they were very much the testing ground and pretty much the first uh, Astartes that would see open warfare and obviously the first time humans would come across Astartes and get crunked in battlefields. Not fun for them. And they did, uh, even towards the latter part of the Great Crusade, they still had access to some of the better guns and technology. It's even said they had access to equipment from the Dark Age or technology which if you are new to Warhammer, that's the time period where it was humanity at their sort of height. Uh, this was many millennia before. And so they were given sort of a, a bit of an edge. A little bit unfair, we could probably say. I'm not sure, but... Well, I, I know the rationale was like, we are on stage one of reclaiming the galaxy. We need to give them every advantage they can get to just kill anything. Because like it's very much like under underreported how much bad stuff there was in the galaxy before the Astartes started like <laughs> like like exterminating like, genociding. Nasty, yeah, and that all That's the like nasty malevolent <laughs> creatures. Like I know in the I was just saying before this, reading uh, listening to the Cophonia Reckoning book where there's a few dark angels involved and they're talking about like, oh, they have a void cannon. Like, oh, that's dangerous. That They shouldn't have that. That's really dangerous. Oh, that's, oh, cataclysmic damage. They should, ooh, ooh. And uh, they they have, like, vortex guns and all sorts of crazy stuff that you wouldn't see in the current setting because imagine the tabletop, like, I play one Dark Angel. He uses Void Cannon. I win. You know? They probably also they have, have the uh, they have the KFC recipe as well. Uh, this is not confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, even with their surgery scars still fresh, the first legion was sent to the field of battle as they took part in the purge of the thunder warriors which were the previous iteration of super soldier created for the emperor of mankind um there's a really cool part in the constantine valdor book which is where it's the last sort of attempt of the thunder warriors to rebel against the emperor who's trying to axe them shall we say and the thunder warriors are described like bears in combat they're large stocky brutal but the Astartes are described like wolves. They move faster. They're a bit smaller than Thunder Warriors, but their gene seed is much more stable and they work together in packs and they kind of tear apart the Thunder Warriors as like literally wolves fighting bears. <laughs> Although I've mentioned it before on the podcast and I love how Ushatan, the Primarch of the Thunder Warriors, is like, they fight like they're constipated. And you're like, constipated? Oh, poor Space Marines being like, and that guy, uh, that guy's nutty because his first appearance in <laughs> law is like him, Constant Valdor looking at him, and then he just looks at him and goes, "This is fun." And he's just revving his chainsaw yeah. and attacking <laughs> civilians. Like, oh my god! Um, yeah, Isn't um, it amazing how everyone who serves the emperor either gets killed by him or tries to kill him? That's a uh, almost like he's is, a bad guy. Yeah, that's oh, true. Crazy. But I don't. Um, that's not saying we can. My heresy detector is is twin is twinge. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm sensing some heresy here. What's going on? That is on? a that's a theory I can't quite tackle I'm now. Just saying, spoilers. Orc and Mork never did anything bad true. to their followers. Oh, true. true. Unless they're busy weak. headbutting each other. 
True. Um, they resurrect their followers, don't they? Oh, yeah, that doesn't matter right now. Or give them, so. vis- give them visions as well, the uh, the blessed mm. visions. Um, but the First Legion at this time now, so they're openly declared in the Imperium, which is only on Terra still, they are simply known as the First Legion because there were no other legions generally at the time. And Emperor's Angels of Death. Angels of Death. So the but over the years of the um, Unification Wars, their armor and equipment would become more, sophistic- more sophisticated, better with the alliance with um, the Mechanicum of Mars. They would also get better powered armor because at the time, so they don't have quite the powered armor you see in the models that you on the tabletops, like Mark Six. At the time, they're using much more bare bones stuff. Even their bolters are not as sophisticated. So they, people often ask, like, why did they not unite Terra very quickly? It's because they didn't have good stuff until they got to the stars, really. And I will start with a uh, first quote here. Uh, I think I'm hand that to Andy if you see that in the sidebar chat here this is a little i can indeed taster of how uh the dark angels are take it away i do like my dark angels <clears throat> since the founding of their legion at the birth of the imperium the space marines of the dark angels have been dreaded by their enemies and held in awe by those they protect stubborn and relentless in battle ever vigilant and zealous in their pursuit of their duties the dark angels are among the Emperor's most faithful servants. Yes. Close, but that's not my no, it, it, it was a mic drop, shall we say. So duty will come up quite a bit with the uh, theme of the Dark Angels, or quite, not quite Dark Angels yet, shall we say. Um, so the First Legion, they now uh, launch to the stars with the Great Crusade. They elect a Grand Master named Hector Kane, because at the time there is there are no Primarchs. There are simply... Astartes and the Emperor, and they start to begin the conquering of the Great Crusade, launching out, fighting horrifying Xenos, non-compliant colonies of mankind. Basically, the the kill count starts rising at this point. And for nearly a century, the Legion would fight. Much of it was broken apart into multiple expeditionary fleets because they had such a high number of Legionaries, obviously being the first one created, they had a lot more I was say love, a lot more recruitment, <laughs> not not a lot of love in these uh, uh, death, you know, soldiers, shall we say. And this would uh, all change, though, when the Legion came across a death world named Caliban. Uh, this one, funny enough, very significant. It's going to come up quite a lot. And the death world of Caliban was just an overgrown forested area. And when the Legion came upon it, they descended down, and to their utter shock, and also their joy too, they found their Primarch, Lion L. Johnson. And for most other um, legions, quite a few of them had already found their Primarch, so the Lion was found sort of middle of the pack, and despite being the first legion, they were, they, they still considered themselves, you know, many a, a template and a founder to all the other ones. They didn't have their Primarch for a while, so it's a bit of like a, a chip on their shoulder. But now they have found their Primark. And with the return of their Primark to the Legion, they would literally change forever. They would um the recruitment for the Legion would now no longer come from Terror, but from the world of Caliban itself. The Legion was renamed to the Dark Angels, which is after a Calibanite myth, which is um so as you can start to see that like, Caliban starts to permeate 
the Legion, even though they didn't have such a strong and distinct culture like some of the other Legions, the it's quite common that a lot of the Primarchs would mould the Legions and the Lion was no different. The Lion would also bring in a culture of secrecy to the Legion. So the Dark Angels are quite unique in the sense they have a ranking system so that accolades and different uh, like prizes, prize is not the right word, but like different levels of responsibility are given with different levels of knowledge within the Legion. So some may be a sergeant or a captain, but then the sergeant may have more knowledge about a certain secret um, set within the um, Dark Angels. Therefore, he might be of higher rank in certain situations. A little bit confusing, but basically to say there's a certain amount of espionage going on in the uh, background. The Legion also takes on a little bit more of a Celtic Teutonic Knight visual to their armour. Uh, I'm actually going to tap in Colin here a little bit because um, for pe- for some people who might not know Colin, um, th- would you like give like a brief run down of like who the Tectonic Knights are? Just because a little side bit of history here, if anyone doesn't know. Oh, oh, actual to to the Teutonic Knights. Yeah, I actual, was, I, actual I, ones. I thought you were no, 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 not a no, 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 just the re- the real history one. Ah, they were a uh, a German group of knights, uh, most famous for uh, their after their crusades into the Baltic regions and uh, helping to bring Christianity to like Poland, Lithuania, those areas. Uh, and also that really cool painting in the battle where the ice is cracking under their feet and the frozen lake. Battle of Grindelwald. Uh, Grindelwald I believe. Yeah. It, I think it was that. Sim- similar to that I, uh, name. It, I will admit it's been a while since I've uh, looked much into the Teutonic Knights. Uh, but yeah, uh, Crusaders. Just instead of in the Middle East, they were in Eastern Europe. If, little... uh, if you'd like the very brief summary of them, I'll go for it. Yeah. No, I mean that's. Uh, oh no, that's it. Sorry, my brain. Yeah, no. Like like I said, it's it's been a minute since I've uh, I've uh, looked into them. Uh, that era of history was not quite much my specialty, I'm afraid. Uh, but yeah, that's the the rough little uh, summary. If you're curious about what uh, what's the origin Teutonic Knights, what are those German Crusaders who went to Eastern Europe? They take on um, the they take on quite a few of the like, armor styles of this um, like cultural influence as well. Although it does lean a little bit more on the Celtic side with Caliban itself, so it's a little bit more. Speaking of like the powers like the greens and there's like things with um, ivy and leaves and they have uh, certain relations to um, this is a, this is like a thing I just noticed myself so it may not be confirmed but how certain scroll work is made on like the British Isles it has a similar theme to the uh, castle the order in Alderic on Caliban the part where the line grows up so there's a little bit of influence there but we're not going to get too much into that. Um, the lion also chains the legion, bringing in the hexagrammaton. You know, the as we mentioned earlier in Eli's um, beginner section, there. This was a structure that divided the legion into various wings. I have got them all out. We did actually do a quiz on this, so or we should have remembered it um, by heart. But just a brief rundown: there is the dread wing, raven wing, um, death wing, fire wing, iron wing, and the storm wing protocol. These are not um, all continued to the modern 40k timeline. As well, there, there is an interesting thing. Like the 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 Deathwing and the uh, Ravenwing are in the Dark Angels, but for example, the Dreadwing I think is in the Angels of Vengeance. So they kind of split a couple of them off to a couple of their successors. So they exist, but they're in separate chapters. There's also some 
smaller um, orders within the Legion, like as, as I mentioned earlier. There's ones referred as the Knights of Centalis, which are charged with keeping certain secrets about the order. So the, they have a quite a complex structure, um, the Legion. The Dark yeah. Angels now, with their Primarch and Astartes together, they would renew their efforts within the Great Crusade. They would participate in the compliance of Moloch, which is a world that will come up later as we talk about the Great Crusade. But it's a world where the Emperor actually erased the memory of the conquest of this until uh, the some of the Primarchs will come across it much later because the world holds significance, but that's um, spoilers for now. They also participated in the Rangdang Xenocides, which we have mentioned a few times on the channel so far. Oof. This one was, it, it's a horrifying conflict of um, the Rangda, which were like a manipulative race that put like control Praise collars. Praise Carthage. <laughs> they oh, put space like, Carthage. Oh, space Carthage. Praise Carthage. <laughs> Very much. They had, um, they, they would use other sentient life to fight their battles. And this was so devastating, as Eli said earlier, that they, the Dark Angels lost a huge number of Astartes. And there was, even with the Primarch Lionel Johnson, you know, the tactical genius that he was, they still couldn't, there was just no way around it. They had to fight and get stuck in. And it was the biggest um, war throughout the Great Crusade. And it sort of shifted the balance of legions after. So now the Ultramarines and Sons of Horus were now the most numerous after that one. The Legion also battled in the subjugation of Sorosh. This was a planet they believed to be compliant, but they were tricked. They People of Sorosh had feigned compliance in a way, and they said they wanted to speak to the Primarch, but it was actually an assassination mm. attempt on the Lion. They tried to get they, a... just like when they, they, they get there and the White Scars have been trying it for a while, and they're just like, you do it. Like This is this is infuriating. They're like, oh, I want to join, but I don't know. And the White Scars are like, later losers, we're going to go somewhere else and do something useful because this is just boring. Later losers, <laughs> we're going shopping. Um, that's it confirmed from Jagatai Khan. <laughs> so the Soroshi almost successfully uh, detonate a nuclonic bomb within the um, Legion's flagship with the lion there. Um, but this was prevented by the figure Luther and Sahariel. Luther was the adopted father of the lion and he almost let it happen He, because there was some jealousy of him growing up and the lion obviously being so far above him. But the Legion was spared uh, any horrific damage and they didn't have time to think about it. So they just descended to the world very quickly and they found this horrifying Xenos creature that the people had been enslaved to and they had been feeding the bodies of like basically the imperial delegates who had come and like thousands upon thousands of dead. So it was like a horrifying psychic creature which they did use a psychic bomb to annihilate but it kind of changed the Legion after this as the as we said earlier in Eli's part, the trust between Luther and the Lion was broken and the Lion himself and so much secrecy involved in the Legion, some level of trust, was it, the level of trust wasn't there anymore to a certain degree and so parts of the Legion were sent back to Caliban to be recruiters which would then cause trouble but that's uh, something we'll talk about in its own video I'm sure, the events on Caliban. Um, the Legion then went to battle with the Crave which they'd previously fought a little bit in the Rangdan Xenocide. They were Crave. Uh, the Crave. They were hold space two. They were they were um held by the the Rangda actually had part of control of some Crave. So they had come across the Crave a little bit. 
the Dark Angels, but they had come now to the uh, Ghoul Stars to confront the. Um, uh, it's, I, I'm going to screw his name up. It's the Auto Autochto. <laughs> it's Auto Autoch Thonar. It's Autark? a very. I can't remember how to pronounce this one. It's a difficult Thank name. No, no, this one is a unique Xenos, but it's actually an ancient oh. weapon created, yeah. supposedly, people suspect, in the time of the War in Heaven, so a very long mm-hmm. time ago. And this weapon... So it probably actually, is an Eldar thing. It might be, but it actually, this weapon's um, thing is, it, it actually births the Crave, which are kind of... Just seeing an actual image of a Crave, they kind of look like vampire, like the proper, you know almost transformed vampires are very bat-like, which I didn't realise. <laughs> the the other thing is, whenever you mention Crave, it just makes me think of that terrible cereal brand. Oh my God, like, filled with chocolate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, and they're like, they're like, the, the marketing is that they like run after you and chew at you. And I'm like, that's weirdly fitting. Like, and then the Crave happened. You're like, oh, <laughs> get it away. Terrible <laughs> cereal. Crave is delicious. Oh, I know, no. I tried it. I was like, oh, this is... Ugh. Oh, low crimes for low crimes for... Uh, comment below if you like Dr. Pepper or ginger ale. And- it's Dr. Pepper. <laughs> say ginger ale. I'm can can good. someone explain the law behind this uh, I've never contention? Yeah, Eli's Canadian. Canadians have shit taste in soda. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Spicy oh, taste. I'm fly. I'm getting I'm booking know. my plane I, ticket to America right now. Thing is, I, I like the taste of Dr. Pepper, but it gives me an upset stomach, so I'm going to have to go with ginger ale just on principle, Ice. I think. Ice. Dr. Pepper. All the way. Coming back to England. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, oh. But with that being said, they do manage to destroy the Crave. Um, the, sorry, the Crave. I don't want to say it again. But the, basically, the, the thing that makes the Crave, the Xenos weapon slash sentient being. Um, yes, it's, it's quite a sad bit because uh, one of the legionaries sacrifices his life to uh, blow up the Crave's nest. And it creates like a psychic backlash that allows the lion to... Um, basically throttle the thing <laughs> basically you know annihilate it um with this though the legion now return the line returns mostly in um intact sort of back to the legion and the legion is basing in the shield world's region and this is where they would learn of the rebellion of horus i bet that was a old one's creation actually because the old ones created a whole lot of species during that time fight the necrons possibly it's to the dynasties they don't. Um, they don't specify though um, who created the like origin crave uh, Xenos. I mean, thing. yeah, but they also don't say technically who the warp entity Magnus uh, talked to before, to give up his eye to. They True. don't technically say who it was. I think we can guess. It's it's, it's just a general imply that it was just it's ancient, very very ancient. But that um, I mean, if you if you ask me, I think they were just craving a bit of attention. Oh, I hate that. With uh, that being said, though, the we should obviously mention because someone might be like, "Huh, that doesn't make sense." Um, the Second Legion redacted from history. They all we know was they possibly participated in the Rangdan Xenocides, and then yeah. they were erased from history. Second Primarch that we've we've mentioned some previous law in our Primarch videos about the Second Primarch, but essentially as the Second Legion. There's no real, like, true uh, information, unfortunately. Did you have something to say, Colin? Uh, he was arrogant, or no, he was humorless and possibly hypocritical. That's all uh, we have, unfortunately. To, according to Fulgrim talking about him. Well, speaking of uh, Fulgrim, Eli, it's time to talk about the prettiest boy in yeah, all of fellas. the legions. I had it over to Oh, oh. 
No. Who's dead? Who's dead? What? Huh? Who's dead? Oh, he God. lives on in my heart. I go to Look. bed with a framed picture of him, and I kiss. Look, him I'll, I'll give. I'll. I'll give that maybe Sanguinius oh. in his best moments might have been a bit more fabulous, but Fulcrum was definitely the prettiest. All natural, baby. I don't know about that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I will talk about the Empress children. Feel free to pitch in whenever I miss anything, because my brain is spinning gray uh, in completely inside of Warhammer 40k and not 30k lately. I love the Necrons, but we're not talking about Necrons today. So the Empress children primarily came from Europa for their gene stock of um, space marines. They were all nobles and aristocrats, so they were all very already very regal and noble and good at leading, which is one reason why they put them with the Imperial Guards so much and kind of divvied them up, sort of like the Mentors chapter, um, yeah. for small units of Space Marines kind of supporting Imperial Guard, leading their offensives and operations. And in this way, the Imperial Guard loved them. They really looked up to or the Imperial Army, I guess, not the Guard at the time, but they loved the Empress children and really looked up to them. And the Empress children were prided and lauded about being so nice and... Uh, I don't know, honorable, perfect, humble, all the good stuff, because they're so great. They were the only legion, like we said before, to be given the right to bear the Palatine Aquila, because they protected the Emperor against some insurrectionists fighting to the last man with valor that the Emperor had never seen before. Uh, the Emperor was wounded by a Vortex weapon, I believe, is the lore behind that. And they fought alongside the Custodes to protect him. Uh, and in this way, they were kind of given a title and a reputation that they felt that they needed to live up to. So they really strived to be absolutely perfect and to be the best uh, because they were literally the Emperor's children. Out of all the Space Marine Legions, it was only them who were given the right to wear this Aquila until after the Horus Heresy, where I'm pretty sure all the Space Marines have it, but that oh, doesn't they, really count. So you're basically saying they just basically went, notice me, Senpai, until he did, and then he was really happy. Worked. And it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> they were small in number, like I said, so they were spread out on missions of diplomacy um, and kind of acting as escorts even at, and bodyguards to important imperial diplomats and nobles. Um, good for them. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. They were they weren't really like the other legions as much. They weren't quite as feral and bloodthirsty as a lot of the space marines. They didn't see quite as much action, I'd say, because there wasn't as many of them. But um, I, yeah, I don't. I think at the time you could literally say they were the best legion because there was only like I don't know a few at this point. So I think, I think so it's wasn't it the case it. that they were drawn from the defeated like ruling empire, the, the sons of the defeated rulers of like Terra. So when the emperor was like, "I'm killing this 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 uprising of these this big army," oh, you're now part of the Imperium. Your son, who would have been the king in your place, is now an emperor's children, and that's why there were so few because they were all like you said aristocrats, but they were also like bloodlines of proud peoples mm -hmm. who are all having their little kingdoms yeah that sounds right to me unfortunately for the third legion disaster strikes when a ship of all their gene seed mysteriously disappears and is later found ten thousand years later uh with trays in the infinite but that or oh, that <laughs> yeah, that does that deals a large blow to their numbers already and worse than this a large the rest of their gene seed basically gets corrupted by the flesh blight which takes a very long time to weed out of the Emperor's children in general, as Fabius Bile, uh, not Chief Apothecary at the time, but might as well have been, spent all of his days at that time 
like literally just killing his brothers, unfortunately. So most of the Legion was called to get rid of the Blight, and it did kind of work. Uh, the Blight stopped, but there's only 200 guys left, and Fabius Bile technically still had the Blight, but he didn't tell anybody. Yeah, it's briefly mentioned in his books, isn't it? He's like, oh no, here it comes again. I've got Thanks. another case of the Blight. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm the doctor, and I can forge the yeah. records. Oh, he's just like, I'm just going to make another body for myself and go in that until that's taken by the Blight, and just yeah. ad nauseum do that. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, Fabius is basically the main character of the Emperor's. Child. I think I think I could say Fabius is the main character of Chaos Space Marines at this point. Just there's a really good part. Has. I had to ask everyone. Feel the same way, but uh, there's a part he mentions. I think in the Fabius books, isn't it? Um, when he talks to Trezin, is it Trezin? Trezin the Infinite, and he says, I think Trezin says to him, "Which one was the real?" like fabius because is the real fabius the one who technically originally the original body that has died and you're are you even the same consciousness you know is is the actually fabius bile really dead and you're just like a mm-hmm. echo of the real man or something there's like an interesting uh sort Very of theory ironic coming from a necron yes true. <laughs> true. i do like i think in the inquisition game he's like the final boss and he's just like Bleh, oh yeah I'm fabius Bleh, and you're like oh, well he's not that one that one's weird <laughs> <laughs> I never got into that game. That sounds cool. It's a Diablo clone. Yeah, that's yeah, why I I've never played it, it, but I've seen the cutscene. And he's just like, I'm Fabius. Tee hee hee hee. Like, oh, he's <laughs> going full, like, mustache twirling villain mode. Brilliant. Nice. <laughs> Jeez. Fabius Bile books are epic. You should read them if you have not read them mm-hmm. yet or listen to them. But definitely. first, you should read Infinite and the Divine. It's or Twice the King. Actually, consume all Necron propaganda. <laughs> It's <laughs> only like four books. It's fine. If I'm not even <laughs> propaganda, it's an old married couple going yeah. at it for a thousand years. This is all propaganda from the deceiver. Do not listen to Eli. <laughs> Glory to Zarek. Glory to the dynasties. The warriors of the war in heaven shall rule the galaxy. All flesh shall crumble before the uh, All the unclean lesser beings. You're gonna, you're gonna hate a line in the Infinite Divine. I promise I'll shut up about the Infinite yeah. Divine after this. <laughs> you're gonna hate. A, you're gonna hate a line from Orican, though. Uh, it's it's not plot important, but he's he's so it's not too much. Oh, I know. I know. Orican's not happy about the transference. He said to not do it in the beginning. He's uh he's he's fighting some Eldar, and he admits that both them and the Necrons are perfect in their own way, oh. in their own respective way. You know, I'll Sim. give him that. I'll give him that. Sim. I like the Eldar. I'm okay with that. But everyone else... Everyone else is not so lucky. Anyways, back to 10,000 years before that stuff happened. Um, They found Fulgrim on the beautiful world of Chemos. Chemos, Chemos, I think it's Chemos. Um, It's a place of wonderful efficiency and art where people have plenty of time to pursue their hobbies and passions because of Fulgrim's work to make the once barren, dying planet into this efficient paradise where he basically just repaired all the machines and made everything nice and better so that people didn't have to work as much. Uh, is this where you want to come in, Hal? Is this your thing? Uh, there is the part where he does do that famous speech. Do you want to mention that very quickly? When he, he gets reunited with his legion. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? I know. Uh, Ooh, I, think I, know I, can, I can say that. I can, I can say it. Um, well, basically... Can we just find the speech as is? Oh, no, I, like out there? I think there is a speech out there. We don't have it on hand, unfortunately. But, um, okay, I'm lacking. I'm lacking. That's <laughs> all good. When um, Fulgrim does get reunited with his legion, he only finds 200 warriors, I think. Yeah, it's 200 fellas. And I think he kneels before them, though, which is cool. He does. And he gives, like, 
a, such a heartfelt speech. I think even the emperor approves and says it was um, uh, really, I, not the word like worthy, but it was such a good speech that he gave to his 200 sons. I think he speaks, I think it says he speaks to them as if they were a full legion because they feel very like ashamed because they found their primarch and there's only 200 of them left because of all the, the blight and the uh, color. Treason. Yeah, pretty much. So they feel yeah. very embarrassed, but now Fulgrim is reunited with his uh, legion. This is a good time for the legion because they start to basically repair and they can source actual gene seed from Fulgrim so they can rebuild the legion. And this begins the events of Fulgrim uh, just taking over his legion and one of the first acts he would do, would he would lead his legion to the world of Byzas. And this is very significant in the legion's early career because Fulgrim declared that he would conquer this world with only seven men. And everyone's probably thinking, oh, that makes sense because Fulgrim's arrogant as hell. But this is the young Fulgrim still. And his actual true reasoning for this is he has a certain amount of fear for his legion because a lot of the time they had been previously used as champions, as I mentioned. And he fears that the legion would essentially be sacrificed and broken apart because they're just seen as like a lesser legion. Like they're just, oh, they're just useful for being involved in the Imperial Guard. And so he wants to make a name for the legion in a way so he can keep what would now be the growing legion sort of united together. And he's, um, so he's not doing it for selfish reason, like reasons, sorry. And the, the world of Byzas is essentially just, it's not a very advanced world, but this would be like the first time when uh, the Legion would bring together basically Terran recruits and some of the like first Camosian recruits together. And they would descend down this planet, which is it's similar to Earth in a way. There's kind of kingdoms and their technology is somewhat slightly advanced from what we have today. And Fulgrim finds himself quickly immersed in the middle of like a political game. He's not launched. There's many times people question throughout why he hasn't launched the entire third legion but again he's trying to prove a point and he's trying to set a uh you know a standard which is you know my legion are amazing they do not need to be broken apart the, you know that i won't allow it to happen and there's actually a really uh amazing scene where fulgrim and the emperor's children they are walking through the streets of Byzaz, and obviously they're seeing this superhuman demigod and ornate beautiful armor and his warriors in gleaming you know purples and golds and there's a little bit of a divide within the legion at this time because there are some who they are the previous terran veterans and they are again they're terrans they are noble warriors but they're kind of nobles and the camosians are seen as or they see themselves sort of more like not as in they are nobles but they see themselves like that as a little bit of discrepancy and then many don't like Fabius Bile at the time because he's not a very beautiful man unfortunately they're already calling him the spider yeah they call him <laughs> the spider even some of them start to make the mistake of thinking like people try to touch like their armor in the crowd and one of them's like get off me you know don't touch me and, get off my lovely yeah, armor <laughs> Fulgrim is not happy with this because Fulgrim delivers like a speech to the his own men set, telling him about his humble upbringing how he'd work in the mines until his fingers were bloody and you know he blisters all over even as a primarch so you're thinking what the hell <laughs> they can heal very quickly 
That's a, I think that's even his Primarch ability. He can heal quicker than some of the other Primarchs. And he speaks to them about how he's not dressed in all this finery. And he doesn't look the part because he thinks he's amazing. He does this because he wants to show people he can elevate humanity to a certain level. And that's what his warriors, his Empress children are meant to do. They're meant to be the example to show how humanity, even the people who have, you know, like him, you know, dust and bloody fingers, they can still be elevated and risen up. And it's a very, um, like, touching scene when it's written. Hopefully I'll get that voice acted one day in a Fulgrim video because that was so good. Um, but the world's on, the events on Baizas essentially lead to um, the politics and the different factions trying to assassinate Fulgrim many times. There's a part where yeah. they try and uh, attack him in the middle of the street and he, like, full-on, you know, Primark full sprints chasing down. That's terrifying. And they even try to all bothered because like they try to like they shoot at the uh, the guy he's he's politicking with, and he just kind of shields him with his mass, and it just all the shots are just pinging off his arm, and he's like, oh, okay, and he's like, you can all surrender if you like, and they're like, no, and then he has to look. It's quite amusing that book. I I, I quite enjoyed it to be honest. It's uh, quite it's a. Uh... It's got some wacky moments too, and it's also showing... And the bit where he's just drinking the wine, and he's like, hmm, is that radiation? He's like, yeah, the grapes are irradiated, so it's got a bit of a bitter twang. He's like, oh... Yeah, they can, keep they keep trying that. to kill him throughout, and his warriors are like, you know, you know, dude, <laughs> chill. Um, there's even a part where they try and uh, lead him to like a cathedral monastery area, monastery area mm-hmm. and try and blow him up, um, which he manages to successfully evade but he did you just he's like oh ferris used to teach me how to dismantle nuclear bombs that sounds familiar that noise wait a minute that's a bomb noise and you're like huh okay yeah he gets <laughs> he gets idiot. a little bit arrogant i think there's a there's a poignant part where i think when the remembrance has said um she she can tell that he's masquerading his arrogance um in a way like all the emperor's children sort of play the part of like you know the refined warrior but she always she wonders if one day it will become the real thing because if he starts to believe his own lie. So there's a funny little hint there. Um, but eventually, Fulgrim and his warriors manage to fend off an attack for, uh, on the city that they are currently residing in. They defeat the rebels and they bring the world into compliance with only seven men. Although some of them get very roughed up during it, so they're not mm-hmm. doing it. And then it also leads to Byzas becoming a recruitment world because the Emperor's children... Again, they've had their numbers been decimated for so long that they just need to build up their numbers quickly. And this is where, um, again, Byzas is now part of the recruitment pool. And I will hand it back to Eli to talk about what the Empress children did the rest of the Great Crusade. Can I mention one other thing before we move on from that book? I like how it also mentions that, like, Fulgrim has been married several times when he was in Kimos, and he's obviously, like, he ages very slowly compared to other people, and it's just like, did you love them? And he's like, some, I think, at first. Like, <laughs> ah. like, of all the Primarchs, like, there's, like, a lot of people go, ah, Space Marines are virgins, and, you know, Primarchs especially, but it's like, Fulgrim, he fucks, because he's been, he's been like, around. I'm not, I'm not sure if it of implies that. Was, I thought it was, like, I don't know, but he's, like, he's been married several times. You're like... Mm, maybe. I think it's imp- he's, he's had ladies. It's implied Those that it's poor more women. <laughs> God, yeah, <I've> gone train. <laughs> it's implied that they're more like political marriages. I thought just yeah, as like are. how yeah, they yeah. tie in different groups, like how like they just marry people together, but then they don't. Obviously, mm. he's f- so far above a human, it doesn't count really. Also, yeah, kind of, and you get, and you get like the like Pertorabo, like imagine marrying Pertorabo. <laughs> yeah. Iron within, iron without. <laughs> Ful- Fulgrim was laying. Pipe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't do it. 
Don't do it. I handed that to Eli very quickly. Today, the rest of the Emperor's Children Great Crusade. Oh man, pre heresy Fulgrim lore makes me so sad every time. He was so awesome. It feels so freaking bad, dude. Be like if Gilman or Sanguinius fell to chaos. It'd be like a Gilman would never. MFC would never. You would never think of falling to chaos. It's just such a feels bad. I know. Be like, oh, I can't believe Fulgrim had wives. How dare he? (laughs) Oh, I think it's the scene with the. it's a scene in the what he's like being very humble because he, he was actually very humble initially. Yeah, he, he, he tried to awesome. he, he tried to keep his legion humble too, but that didn't one freaking sword ruined it all. Ah, oh, oh. plot. Bad sword. Bad sword. Should have listened to Eldred. Yep, he almost did. To be fair, but the sword ruined it. Oh well, whatever. Anyways, uh, so. <laughs> He, yeah, he did that stuff, and it was all super nice. They were still very small legion, though. Too small to kind of go out on the Great Crusade by themselves, so Horus ended up mentoring Fulgrim and his legion. So the legion spent a lot of time with the Luna Wolves and created a very good brotherly bond and friendship that was only second to Ferris Manus. Fulgrim was friends with lots of his brothers. I think most of them generally liked them, liked him up until things started to get iffy, which, you know, obviously. But him and Horus worked together for quite a while, and they fought on murder together, if I remember correctly. I don't actually know if Fulgrim was on murder. I think it was just he appears. He does appear um, slightly, doesn't he get summoned by Horus? Because Horus is not impressed with what some of the Emperor's children do on murder. Mm. Yeah, the Legion kind of started to be, the Space Marines started to get pretty arrogant and jerky. Uh, Eidolon, Lord Commander Eidolon, was even like boasting about how great they were on murder and how wonderful the Emperor's children were, but in reality they were actually saved by mm-hmm. the Luna Wolves, I'm pretty sure. I kept thinking that the Blood Angels were there too, but apparently I'm Yeah, they, they the were. Blood Angels were there originally, and then they're like oh, annihilated, yeah. and they find like all the Blood Angels' corpses like in the trees. And okay, like, so oh, okay, so no. I remember it correctly. They're in yeah, the trees. Murder was infested by these very scary bug things. That's kind of like all I remember. I don't know if there was much more to say Mega about it. Yeah. Big scary bugs, not the Tyranids, just actual like chitinous bugs, stuff like that. It was not a great time, but you know what? They got through it and they learned and they're still friends with the Luna Wolves, so everything's okay. They also fought against the Diasporex, I think, with the Iron Hands, which is one of the reasons why they were friends with them. The main reason for the friendship, though, of course, is the classic story of Ferris Manus and Fulgrim becoming best buddies, making weapons together, and then giving each other the weapons that they made. Uh, Fulgrim even gave Ferris his nickname of the Gorgon, and they have a very nice relationship throughout the entire Great Crusade, which is all goes away when bad things happen, but it's okay. Uh-huh. Whatever. Um... As arrogant as they were, there were still lots of really nice guys in the Legion, like Saul Tarvitz. He was a cool dude. And the one guy that Fulgrim killed on the statue, whose name I don't remember anymore. But there were plenty of nice guys in the Legion. Damn. There were, sorry. Yeah, sorry, guy. Wasn't that guy um, called Julius as well? Julius. Julius um, Caesarum? Yeah, he was quite a noble. Wow, what player. a subtle name. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> as, a, as a bit of an uh, over reference to uh slightly greco-roman things which is sad because yeah, i thought they're the phoenicians the, i uh, thought i hopefully there'll be a bit more of a we have explained slightly what the phoenicians are i think in a previous episode but we'd hope that you know that slightly proto-carthaginian carthaginian vibe yeah. would come through a bit more but 
Well, they, Julius was the first captain as well, so he was like a big player in the Legion. They still have cool armor, though. Very cool armor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Empress children started to get uh, very obsessed with perfection and were masters of swordsmanship and war in general. A lot of them pursued the arts, like uh, painting and poetry. But overall, the Legion was very skilled. The I think their biggest weakness was probably their individual, their individualistic manner, because they were all so practicing to be perfect themselves. They maybe kind of neglected the teamwork aspect and all that. Not as a whole, I think just in general, though. And, of course, their pursuit of perfection would indeed be their undoing in the end, so, you know, whatever. But they were really epic for a time. Their fleets were bastions of the arts. They had tons of remembrancers in them, probably more than everyone else, I think. Yep. Or at least they treated them better than everyone else for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their remembrancers practiced the arts as well. Acting, music, sculpting, painting, and the likes. They held performances within the ships, which uh, there was one special performance that didn't go so well. But yeah, compared to all the other legions, I think the Emperor's children, as arrogant as, as they had become, they still kept a good degree of their humanity, probably alongside guys like the Salamanders and the White Scars and the likes. So they were liked by their members. Not all the Space Marines liked them because some of the Space Marines still thought the arts were dumb and wanted to put all of their efforts into just being perfect at war. Uh, and I mean, it worked out for them. They were a lot of good commanders and a lot of good swordsmen. But like I said earlier, they were kind of glory-hungry, which fueled a lot of pride and led to conflict and not great things. But heroes arose from the Legion like Salt, Harvest, uh, Eidolon, you could say, I guess. Uh, Lucius was definitely a popular guy until... Um, What's his name? Holy frick. The Luna Wolves guy. The main character of the Garvey Horus Loken. Garvey Loken. Yeah, so Loken punched him in the face and then that was... That, <laughs> and that and uh, Torgadon also humbled Eidolon during the Battle of Murder and like Eidolon's messing everything up and then the Luna Wolves drop and yeah. Torgadon's like, right, you're doing what I'm saying. You're useless. And then Eidolon's like, we did amazing. And he's like, Puh. no, you didn't. Yeah. Eidolon, Eidolon was like the top douchebag of the Emperor's children. And Lucius Terran. Like, yeah, he was like mid-tier douchebag, and Tarvitz was like zero douchebag. He was a really nice guy. They named a planet Murder. Come on. I mean, it's not the real name. It's just what they, they nicknamed it, because they're like, that place is It was full of murder. It was horrible. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of like the main battles of the Great Crusade, though. There's The um, Diasporex were neat because they had the time-warping weapons, if I remember correctly. Or is mm-hmm. that not them? Was that them? I'm pretty sure that was them. The diasporics are the ones where they have their the human. Yeah, that that's the I think the diasporics are the ones with the their human and aliens that traveled in like a yeah. spacefaring fleet. They even yeah. had some like old, old like Terran, proto-Terran like um, mm-hmm. ships from back when Terran was a colony. And then so the they, they go through the murder system and they've like triggered a beacon. So then they turn up and go, "What are you guys doing here?" It's like, "Oh, is that your stuff?" Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, uh, Fulgrim and the lads actually save Ferris because he kind of gets a little too headstrong and he tries he to does uh, he throws himself in. Yeah, me, I think. Yeah, uh, and that Fulgr- Ferris wasn't very happy about that, but Fulgrim did save his life. I'm pretty sure. So you know, uh, after that though, the probably the main event for the Emperor's Children and their whole storyline throughout all of Warhammer is they came to the planet of Lair, an ocean world with uh, lots of different islands of coral, big giant coral structures, and it was ran by these snake-like uh, fishy beings 
with very they were very muscular, multi-armed for the most parts. But I think their most important thing about the species is that they were all genetically modified to fit certain roles, which Fabius found out about and took a very big interest in and tried to tell Fulgrim that they should do that too. And Fulgrim at first was like, nah, bro, that's cringe. But then with like two <laughs> extra words of prodding, uh, Fabius convinced him and Fulgrim said, yeah, okay, we should do that. Do it. <laughs> do it. Like prototypes. It's like, check this out. You know, the fish people, right? Hear me out. Ilmarine. He can breathe underwater. It's like, that's <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll come back in a minute. He's just like, it's got <laughs> five arms. Like, Fabius, no, like you're being weird. And then like, mm-hmm. oh, you can shriek. Eidolon can do a big scream. Oh, that's useful. Okay, well, mm, yeah. maybe. So, yeah, exactly. The um, Fabius convinced Fulgrim that it was part of their pursuit of perfection um, to get closer to the Emperor, which, of course, at first Fulgrim said the Emperor's work is perfect, but then Fabius kind of convinced him a little bit otherwise and started to seed some doubts in Fulgrim's mind. And if it wasn't the Lair Blade, then it was definitely Fabius who kind of ruined everything for the Legion as he started to modify the Battle Brothers and make these stimulant cocktails from the alien species. It was all around just a bad thing to do. But to whatever. be fair, the, the Lair species were also worshipping Slanesh and they had temples yeah. and they were kind of like infused with it. So like either way, it's it's yeah. all Lair. It's Lair-based um, corruption. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Space Marines didn't know about Slanesh because somebody... Didn't tell them. And so Fulgrim goes into this lair Some temple. Absolute goober. Yeah. Uh, Fulgrim goes into the final lair temple that the people of lair were like dying on en masse to defend this one last place, the bastion of their people. And all the lair were, you know, making out and reproducing. It's really we can say. odd scene, isn't it? <laughs> I don't really sensual. <laughs> just like, making out. There's a lot of fish people, or slimy, slithery snake fish people embraced doing their thing. And Fulgrim sees a cool sword in the middle of it and thinks, wow, this is really pretty. And he takes the sword. And uh, I don't know, the end. That's it. Everything sucks after that. But whatever. Uh, he, he takes the sword and he starts fe- hearing some weird uh, voices in his head, but doesn't figure out as a sword till later. Because demons don't exist, silly guy. <sighs> whatever and um, then a certain elf tried to head said yeah, hey yeah, don't pick I'm up the sword don't pick up. but it was too late he already picked up the sword <laughs> I uh, do like that he's always getting involved in every time the Primarch's like go away go. I don't want to hit like he went so, to Ferris he went to Fulgrim they're like no shoo yeah. shoo we know what we're yeah. doing so after Lair Fulgrim goes and uh, meets up with Eldrad Uthran of the Ulthway craft world in in a sort of parlay. And Eldred tells Fulgrim the unthinkable that his brother Horus is going to betray the Emperor and he's going to doom the galaxy to an eternity of war. And at first, Fulgrim's mad, but then he comes to his senses and he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe this guy's right. He showed me some stuff. Maybe I should believe him. But then the sword at his side speaks in his head and Fulgrim thinks that the sword's thoughts are like his own thoughts at this point he can't really distinguish between the two and the sword unfortunately convinces him otherwise and he attacks Eldrad and when Eldrad sees the sword he realizes it's far too late anyways uh he kills some Eldar he 1v1s in Avatar of Cain and beats it up with his mm. bare hands classic classic he choked out a metal <laughs> statue they don't need it, air he punches uh. it in the face and I don't know, you he get an Ultra they can take out um, Avatar of Kane. It's not a big deal. It's fine. Listen, that short took place after three days of nonstop, <laughs> constant battle. 
Mm-hmm. If, it, if it panned 10 feet to the left, you'd see the mountain of Smurf corpses. Floating <laughs> ultramarines are coming for you. The, the animation, there's too few frames. They're still in the air. They're going to get all, you. They're going to get you. We need to give all of them helmets to save on the budget. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> feels bad. Uh, but yeah, the Emperor's Children with Fulgrim also destroy some Eldar. And we see Fabius' bile, or yeah, Fabius' influence on the chapter as Mr. Eidolon screams really loud at a wave serpent and literally destroys a tank. Uh, so that's cool. And Lucius picks up a Howling Banshee sword and decides that it's pretty cool, so he got a new toy, and he's dual-wielding now. That's cool stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, everything after that sucks so so freaking much. It feels It's such a... Uh, I get so sad every time I think about it. But, I mean, at, at, at the end of the Great Crusade, before the big no-no happens, Fulgrim goes to talk with Horus, and he kind of already feels like he knows what it's going to be about, and he thinks about Eldrad's words, and he gets all the weapons ready on the Emperor's Children flagship, which name I unfortunately have forgotten, but he's the pointing Pride in... of the Emperor? Sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> there's Andronicus, and then there's the Pride of the Emperor is their biggest one. Uh, that much. I know the Vengeful Spirit, and that's, uh, that's about all I can give you. But <laughs> he has his weapons primed at the Vengeful Spirit, and he's literally about to issue the command and kill Horus, and literally end the Horus heresy before it even happens. And then Eidolon strolls up, and he's like, Sire, you forgot your sword! And then, <sighs> Fulgrim, and then Fulgrim picks up his sword, and all thoughts of destroying Horus disappear conveniently. And our hero does not become the hero. He becomes quite the opposite. But that is the end of the Great Crusade for the Emperor's Children. If I missed anything, please forgive me. No, what you're saying is, even though it's probably Fabius's fault, we'll just say it's Eidolon's fault because that's easier. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Fabius, yeah. <laughs> Fabius was at fault for the Legion falling as a whole, I'd say. Actually, the Lair Temple, uh, whatever. It's stupid. But without, without, you know. Uh, if if you know dickhead didn't come in with the sword, but it would have, or if nothing else, even if Fulgrim didn't win, would have been a whole lot of dead uh, Luna wolves. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it would be. You so. wonder. You wonder why I don't read the Horus Heresy because my faction <laughs> friend, battle tank got killed by a guy yelling at it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> Sixty well, uh, million years of technology can't uh, can't be can't wrong. Some dude really loud. God, thank you. Thank you very much, CS Godo. <laughs> sorry, the, um, the, uh, okay, sorry. I was, uh, was going to say, even in the Necron books, because um, we're going, uh, this is not Horus Heresy related, sorry, but they get shot with a uh, big bullet from one of the Imperial ships, and it talks about how the uh, quantum shielding was made to resist the forces of like literal gods and star-ending technology, but it wasn't made with the intent to block a piece of rock being thrown at it, basically. So it doesn't, <laughs> so it doesn't work as well in the 40th millennium. Orcs are the true masters, though, isn't it? Orcs just win because <laughs> <laughs> of how dumb it is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, speaking, of, um, speaking of... Speaking of legions, dumb and stupid. Speaking of dumb and stupid, <laughs> we have... the fair, If someone's favourite legions. I like the Iron Warriors. Not my favourite, but I like them. Well, we are speaking of the last one, the Iron Warriors, which are the fourth legion. And they were birthed again in the Gene Lamps of Terror. Uh, they were recruited from the warlike gun tribes or the Blood Reavers, the Tech Enclaves, as they were called at the time. And this sort of infused with the early legions, like culture, they had a little bit more of like, you know, 
a little bit of bloodiness to them already, a little bit war-hungry, but then they had some within the Legion who were quite tech-savvy, if that's the right word. And they, luckily for the 4th Legion, they benefited from particularly stable gene seed compared to a lot of the others. So if some people are new to Warhammer, when they make Space Marines, sometimes it just, even if the gene seed takes and they put in the new organs to the growing recruit, sometimes it just doesn't straight up work and the recruit will just basically be like a flopping mess and it will die. Um, so <laughs> the recruit will yeah. go all floppy. <laughs> yeah, there's, and there's one like the one of the Ragnar Black Main like first book where they just get turned into space marines, and they just said they're at like dinner table once, and one of the space marines just goes what, and he just like he just basically slumps in his chair, and they said yep because the gene seed just went wrong. Um, wow. That's a great noise, like. And what was his last word? <laughs> you know, great way to go. Get to. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> Just like that noise of like trying to hold in a fart like <laughs> and then that's it. That's you done. <laughs> the Jeez. one piece is real, he shouted at the height of his lungs. <laughs> God. I was thinking actually about you know the eidolon part where he screams? It's literally the note from Tenacious D. We, we are <laughs> No. It's the we are but men rock. Huh? That one that really oh, yeah. Yeah. Where he, he goes in the film he goes ah and then the guy's head explodes like sorry if they made a point of saying it was the you know that note from initial D all would be forgiven true you know, that, that that would rock anyone's world but right now it's just known as in law it's in law brown note um, but speaking of <laughs> fourth legion though so the gene seed of the fourth legion was particularly stable they even showed a higher adaptability to bionics they had shared in common with the 10th legion so a lot of times space marines even though they're wearing like ceramite armor you know limbs get broken cut off all the time so they would off the, there's like whole the basically the mechanicum of mars had like whole fleets of people just with like spare limbs essentially ready for them to you know, just slap on anytime and the fourth legion during the unification wars as eli mentioned earlier were known for their stubbornness they would bear through battles and conflicts all the way to the bitter end, even when maybe it didn't make such tactical sense to do so. They seem to have a bit yeah. of a, a problem with retreating from battle. Ugh. And this they were would... always like, you know, like Eli was saying about like the, the Emperor's children, they're always like trying to refine their tactics and change things and do some nuance. Like I'm always just like, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And we don't break. And that was their, like, just throw enough of us at the problem. We'll sort it out. Even if eventually it'll, die. it'll go away. Yeah. They're like meat grinder, basically. So that probably a little bit with the, uh, world eaters in common. Sorry, the, the word eaters. Wow. As someone said at the beginning. The, word, yeah. the wordy beaters. Yeah. Yeah. The word, word beaters. Oh God. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the tactics that they, um, they somewhat just use again and again on terror. They would take to the stars with the launch of the Great Crusade. But again, this is where that, as I just said, the tactics kind of hit a, funny enough, a dead end where a lot of times they didn't adapt to the enemies they were fighting. They were just kind of known for throwing themselves at people. And so if other Primarchs with their, their legions who had already been reunited with their Primarchs were using them in tandem with their legion. They would often just use them as like the frontline troops and they had to adapt around them, you know, being their flankers, being their, you know, espionage or whatever. Cause the fourth yeah. legion are doing the one thing they do well and they're not doing anything else. They make, they make one good meal and that's it. 
And there's like some legions really don't like them. Like the, I think there's like a bit where the Iron Hands work with them. Like you're stupid. And like, We're not stupid. You're stupid. It's like we got a Primarch. They're like, like ouch, <laughs> ouch, <laughs> mean. Especially with like Ferris being like one of the first three, and then it takes ages for Perturabo to show up. And they're like, we're cool. We got Iron as well. Speaking Iron of a uh, speaking yeah. of Perturabo though, we would find it would be over a century of war when the fourth legion would finally be reunited with their Primarch. Perturabo from the planet of Olympia. Now, Olympia is, um, what are you going to say it now? It's basically discount Greece, um, <laughs> essentially. They have- Couldn't tell from it being one step over, you know, one syllable away from Olympus. Yeah, um, for Colin, if you want to illuminate people, which particular time period, obviously we all know, but just if you are new to Warhammer, um, what kind of time period slash history do you, would you say that they are inspired from? I think it's probably, you know, ancient Greece, you know, the, uh, the city States, although that also being said, I don't know what Olympia was like. Was it city States? Yep. City States pretty much. Ah, Yes. It was the Greek city States. There's a few like, um, Sparta, obviously, uh, Macedon, Athens, all that kind of stuff. I There's, think ancient Athens sucks. Yeah, well, the, 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 we're pro-Spartan over here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they also suck, but Athens really sucked. Epirus. Oh. Um, they, they had, yeah, there's a very much a uh, sort of divided nature of Olympia, which was reunited and stitched. Well, I say reunited. It was forced together by Perturabo himself because there was no choice with Perturabo. And where most reunions of Legion and Gene Father was quite a big momentous moment, such as um, like Sanguinius and meeting his Legion, which there was like amazing speeches, Fulgrim meeting his sons, and again, like, you know, saying to them, like making a vow to them in front of the Emperor, uh, Lionel Johnson kind of treating his Legion as. Well, actually, Lionel Johnson doesn't even call them his sons. He calls them his little brothers, so he treats them like equals. Mm. Perturabo did... The Fourth Legion did not get the same treatment. And because Perturabo examined the combat records of his legion and he found them wanting. They had so many casualties due to, obviously, the way they battled in uh, across the Great Crusade. And he decided there needed to be like a rebirth and a culling of this weakness and not say to get rid of stubbornness but the stubbornness needed to be reforged into a different thing and this brought again the practice of decimation to the legion um this was something i think practiced in i'm not sure if in ancient greece but in ancient rome do you know colin i think it was practiced by the romans uh, well i believe it i believe it was the ancient romans it was a uh, the uh, the process of getting rid of one out of ten Yes. Uh, so by literally by lottery, one in every ten of the legionaries was chosen, and he was beaten to death by his own comrades. It, it wasn't. Yeah, it was the Romans to keep order in the military. And to by the way, okay. on that point, can we? Can I? Can I ask the question? <laughs> yeah, 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 I've know. heard so many freaking comments saying I'll use like decimation as a term, as like a vague term, and then I'll have someone in my comments going, "No, decimation is only one oh, in ten no, people." Right. Like, oh my no, god, no, it's a historical so term, and it's also a situational term. It can be used for both. Stop bullying me in the comments, if, because uh, uh, if if Andy, may I may I speak on your behalf? Well, how about I'll give my opinion on the matter. Uh, I won't speak on your behalf. Uh, you, uh, the people who say that you are technically correct. Yes. The original meaning of def- decimation 
was by the Romans to have their comrade uh, take out one in ten of them as a punishment and to keep order. That being said, if you leave that comment in a comment section, you're a fucking nerd. Oh, well, ultimate yeah. payback. That was it. Well, I mean, all, <laughs> no all correction. Just in the dictionary definition, it says the killing or destruction of a large proportion. So that's not yeah, one in ten. Yeah, that's a like things, things also like, change over time. Yeah. We are in ancient Rome. Mm. Yeah, Thank not you. speaking in any no no Latin in these uh, conversations, boys. Actually, fair, although, there's, there's a lot of Latin in Warhammer stuff. So. Although, although to to be to be fair, the Romance languages are technically just bad Latin. True, we do speak discount Latin from, stuff from in uh, Spanish, the Italian, French, yeah. Romanian, not our, and English, not our Germanic. <laughs> What'd you say? Which one? Et tu pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only. That's the only Latin phrase I know, apart from like. That's the only one I think I can. Cogito, Did you know Veni, Veni Vidi Vici is pronounced oh, Veni yeah, Weeni yeah. Vici? Because V does not exist in Latin. It's <laughs> another thing that if you say Weni Weedy Weechi, I hate you. I don't care that that's how it's pronounced. That Stop sounds like that. the beginning of, bear with me here, reference the vine where it's like, uh, in my Valentino white bag? What? what, what? <laughs> that one. <laughs> no one's going to get that joke. I've seen vine. Right. I just like the idea that you can even like, use different accents to be like, if you had scars, like, it's Wenny Winnie Weechi. Like, Ugh, sounds even worse. They don't know what scars is. Lucky for them. Um, so, sorry, Iron Warriors. <laughs> so, okay. Shout out to this episode of War Crimes for making fun of our audience. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. I was being bullied and I needed to vent. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Among Us? Stop. <laughs> Stop. Uh, sp- speaking of um, decimation, though, uh, as funny as it we will make it sound. It was actually pretty horrible. So a lot of these legionaries, yeah. they obviously, you know, some of them were friends. Some of them had fought on terror for the emperor only to then be killed by their own, essentially within the ranks because their new Primarch was essentially trying to, in a way he was trying to reforge them, but it felt more like a punishment for something which they had seen as honorable service. So a lot of them were not happy. And, this sort of created a tone and relationship with the Legion and Primarch where it was no longer father and son and it was much more of a, you are my general, I am the soldier. So like many other Legions, they love their gene father. They would literally die for him like without a second thought. The Iron Warriors are much more pragmatic about like, oh, he's my general, so therefore I get in the way of bullets because it's good for the army, not because I actually like my... Yeah. Not, not because but, he's my father. No, they don't really there call him like, father much. There is an interesting corollary with like them and the Iron Hands again, though, because like again, Ferris Manus was a taskmaster, but he did actually care about his sons. So there was that thing with like one degree further into being, you know, a taskmaster is you become Perturabo. It's like you are just tools, and like yeah, I know. That, I know everyone goofs on like oh the Iron Warriors and Iron Hands. They're kind of like very similar. But I think, like, yeah, with the Iron Warriors in particular, it's just like whenever you see like the Triarchs or any of the characters in like a meeting with Padraba, they're like shoulders straight. You don't say any, you no back talk. You keep your thoughts to yourself. You don't go over the line even a millimeter because he's gonna, he's not very forgiving at all. He beat up so. a lot of his sons, that's for sure. Yeah. He did. He would and then uh, killed the rest. Yeah, <laughs> he would often dish out punishment himself and. But there's also, it reminds me of a funny, I think I've mentioned it in a previous episode before, but there's a funny moment where Ferris is talking about when he was conversing with uh, Perturabo 
and they they're very pragmatic. They're getting they do get along decently well, as in like you know we're getting the thing done. But then Pertorabo asks him in like an offhanded comment, "How how is it that you and Fulgrim are friends?" And it's the only time apparently Ferris ever smiled in front of him because he's like because <laughs> just wouldn't get it because he just doesn't really he has um soldiers he has battle comrades. They don't have friends in him or his legion, really. <laughs> and then Ferris was like, "Yeah, but you're friends with Magnus, so I'm still winning." It's like, "Oh, <laughs> nice, got him." He does actually. He does have a good Not friend. Even. He does. Yeah. Having said that, he does have a good relationship. They do have a semi-good relationship with the Thousand Sons Legion. Um, I think that's probably mostly from a side of like intellectual uh, commonality. So he. Like Persrabo and the Iron Warriors greatly respect the Thousand Sons again for them being involved in like siege craft and technology. They have a, the Iron Warriors have a big emphasis on like understanding technology, not using it to the same degree as the Iron Hand. Yeah, as like they're like they're like exclusively alien to one another, but they respect that they are like the best at what they do to an extent. They're like, mm. oh, you're amazing with like ga- gadgets and gizmos, and then you're am- you're amazing at like whatever that swirly whirly thing is that you've conjured. Like that's cool, cool. I have no idea how you're doing it, it's <laughs> but cool. it's cool. But uh, yeah. speaking of something iconic that would happen with the Legion, they would also gain their iconic phrase "Iron within, Iron without," which is a mantra they have to roar in battle but also live by it's a kind of philosophy and i'll ask uh, colin here for the Ooh. next quote it should be in the sidebar chat and this is called the unbreakable litany which is said throughout the legion if you can see it there i can i'd be happy to read it out uh iron warriors quote from iron cometh strength from strength cometh will from will cometh faith from faith cometh honor from honor cometh iron. This is the unbreakable litany, and may it forever be so. So they always find like a circular way to come back to iron, basically the iron within themselves. They oh, bring God. that strength. Yeah. That that that's where one like the quotes and Warhammer that does go pretty hard. I would say that was like <laughs> imagine if you say, shout that as well. I will right. say though, that's a lot of cometh. There's a lot of cometh in that quote. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, ruined it. I think that this is further proof that that whole uh, gods are not real thing is a load of malarkey the Emperor's pushing. <laughs> he has faith in everything he has. Stop, stop being surprised people turn religious. Yeah, well, you, do it. You, can have, you can have faith in things which are not necessarily religious. I have faith that yeah, my can. delivery I, driver I think... will come as everybody's delivering my pizza. Yeah, so, you can, but I think in the context of this... Different kind of faith, yeah. There's... I like that idea that your example, how that when you get it, you're like, praise be to Pizza Hut when you get it. <laughs> well, I know it's coming, but I'm not exactly, I'm not uh, putting my hands together and worshipping the pizza gods, although maybe we all should because it's divine. Um, they bestowed an extra garlic dip, praise be. <laughs> I, I praise be to him because Lord knows you cannot out Pizza the Hut. For real. You know, like, extra garlic dip for free. I'm not gonna lie, bro. That's you're saying some very, very that's s- a sensual right things there. here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Miracles Look, can happen. Pizza, Pizza Hut garlic bread is divine. It's just what I feel it doing to my arteries with every bite. Less divine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of things that aren't so divine, uh, Perturabo and the Iron Warriors, um, with the now Primarch at the helm of the Legion, they would be swelled with recruits from Olympia. This would 
immediately overtake the culture of the Legion. So that even their armor, their arms, it would all take on a more Greco-Roman feel, much more heavy on the uh, Greco inspiration there. Obviously, Olympia basically being um, essentially ancient Greece with the warring states. And the Legion would also shift in a way where they where they would embrace their greatest strength, which was siege warfare, also partly interacting with technology, as, as I said before. But instead of being stubborn in terms of they won't change their tactics, they become flexible in a very strange way, in which is how the uh, flow of siege warfare works. So they get very, very good at basically any fortification. They are pretty much the best legion out there to either defend it or take on. Maybe not to create fortifications, because that's a contentious part with the Imperial Fists, but the Iron Warriors, do they start to specialise, many other legions in their own uh, style of combat, such as Empress Children being duelists and generally quite good up close in certain regards. The Dark Angels being very adaptive and obviously having lots of varied technology and varied uh, wings of the legion. Iron Warriors siegecraft and as the legion left the skies of olympia they'd be conf- they would be uh confronted by a spacefaring advanced human culture called the black judges which as Percy robber had grown up on olympia he had heard many times as like a terrifying myth a kind of like a boogeyman thing that would come for them and they would actually discover these were ancient humans that would harvest other humans from different planets and then they would turn them into like a kind of serum slash biomass thing that prolonged their lives and it was a first like legion victory where Perturabo had like shifted the fourth legion into his own or made it into the image that he wanted it to be and it would now start the path of like their uh, numerous successes during the great crusade and such was even the reputation they'd gained very early on from then they would as Eli mentioned earlier they would be thrown into like the worst uh, conflicts the crusade had to offer many other yeah. things like the army imperial army and other legions they didn't really enjoy fighting or they would dread fighting beside the iron warriors because they knew it would be essentially a very grinding a brutal fight because <laughs> yeah they're like oh we're going to so and so oh that sounds nice oh the the view screens oh it looks like a nice planet who are we fighting with the fourth Oh, Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I'm gonna go write my will. <laughs> Goodbye, father. Goodbye, mother. <laughs> in fact, they I think some even Imperial some Imperial Army um regiments even would straight up refuse, so they would have to send like penal colony troops to basically be canon <laughs> like fodder. Like, I'm I'm gonna go fight alongside the night lords rather than these guys. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you're fighting alongside the night lords, that's probably not as bad because they'd just yeah, you they'd be horrible. Watch them, like, Healing someone like oh, you wouldn't sleep well, but at least you'd be alive to sleep. You know what I mean? (laughs) Different, fair enough. Different strokes of different folks. Um, I'd probably still (laughs) fight alongside them to the thousand suns. True. At least my soul wouldn't evaporate because they their little warp spirit ran out of juice, and I happened to be nearby. It reminds me of um, you know that meme where it's like just a random video of like a cooking thing, and then like randomly Queen Elizabeth like fades in the middle of the cut for some reason, and then it's like it's like she kind of like dissipates like, and then it's just back to the cooking video. Very where weird you, reference. But where do you get these memes? I, I've never seen that meme. I will show it to life. people, and it'll some people listening will understand what I'm talking about. It'll just be a random cooking video, and then like very quickly edited, and then like the the Queen will like 
very crappily PowerPoint fade away <laughs> in like a weird cut in the middle the late of it. queen. Yes, very okay, sad. Okay, I know what you mean. Yes, songs in the culture. Um, but the Legion, <laughs> <laughs> the Legion would start to, over the decades of the Great Crusade, they would resent being thrown into this, like the hardest situations. They wouldn't, um, there was no respite for the Legion. Again, it's like the most brutal conflict. And then they would turn to see other legions, such as Dawn's, Sanguinius's, or Horus's legions. And they would be showered with accolades, praise. They would be given, you know, rewards, technology. Meanwhile, the fourth legion had fought just as hard, if not harder. And yet they would still, in a way, like many, many knew that the Great Crusade wouldn't last for a long time. It would be over it in a few short centuries you know their time wise you want to you want to repeat that phrase one be, more time well when you're speaking about space marines <laughs> who don't really age you know what i mean they, they didn't consider it that long and um they thought so a lot of the time they were hunting for glory many of the legions and many of them were trying to get all their accolades and you know all the honors done before the crusade would end particularly towards the end because there was a a sense that they knew the imperium was almost at the edges of the galaxy and so the fourth of, were quite resentful of the fact that they were not lauded in the same way when they fought just as hard again, if not harder. In fact, much of the Legion became garrison forces across Imperial worlds due to their mm. expertise in like siege craft. So they, like the Imperial Fists, would build um, fortifications in many different places. Um, but they wouldn't, again, they wouldn't be given the honour such as the Imperial Fists of building the Imperial Imperial Palace defenses, which were, you know, again, you, they say they 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 would know siege siegecraft better than anyone, surely. So again, another yeah. s- slight, somewhat. This poor poor Captain Her- Herculesus being stationed at like the equivalent of like the Imperial World Post Office of Sector Nine Thousand Six Hundred Forty Two. Like, oh, what am I going to do for the next 10, 10, 20 years? Just going to like sit here, make sure that like nothing goes wrong. Occasionally check the pipes so there's no leaks. Like, is that it? Yeah. I- no more pipes. <laughs> no, no more pipes. Um, but saying that, though, the uh, the Legion itself did have some uh, uniqueness that it developed within, um, amongst other Legions. So they had the rank of Warsmiths, which were kind of, mm-hmm. in a way, like m- a bit more independent um, than compared to some of their equivalents in other Legions, like Captains. And La Perturabo made sure that the 4th Legion could in a way, if it had to operate without a Primarch, so they similar to how they had done before, but they would operate still within decent strength. And it would all slightly come apart of the scenes. A lot of the things would build up for the Fourth Legion, especially as we get to the um excuse me here, the Sac Tradar Deep campaign, which is actually one of the very few defeats the Legion would face, and it'd be a massive stain to their honour. This was a garrison force led by Barabas Dantioch. Uh, shout out to the artwork I had made of this. I actually had two pieces of artwork made for this. One's very cool. Uh, they were attacked by the Xenos known as the Hrud, which, by the way, had not actually been... There was no official like artwork. If anyone tries to look up Hrud, they kind of look like very straight, like clothed creatures. They actually have very strange archaic guns, which are like, almost like slightly scaveny muskets which is i think they were originally meant to be scaveny-esque and they kind of move them a bit more to like maggoty writhing things and the problem with the hrud is being in proximity to them things start to rapidly age and i mean like 
to a scary degree. So the mortal men alongside Barabbas Dantioch and his men, they would die of old age. And even the walls of the fortress they were in started to wither and like crack. And even the legionaries inside their own armor. So no one knew how long a space marine could live, but it was supposedly kind of worked out because of the fact that Barabbas Dantioch had literally aged millennia inside his own armor and his arm would like would rust apart. And it was only when- The image of like a- like a guardsman who's just like spent loads of money to get like a banana shipped. And he's like, ah, oh, treat. It's not corpse starch. You get a banana. This would be great. And then like, as soon as the heart appears, he's like, he just unwraps it and it instantly becomes mushy. And he's like, oh, oh, like oh. <laughs> <laughs> why am I 700 years old now? And then he just turns into a pile of ash. The poor guy. Poor dudes. Um, but Persh Rabo uh, did come and he eventually returned like with more troops and they helped repel the Harad. Even Perturabo supposedly suffered some of the aging process and he had apparently a like millennia even though he kind of only looked a little yeah, he bit got older. one gray hair and he's like what's this <laughs> he went he received like a full-on brutal attack of it as well at their weapons um also aged but in the wake of this conflict the legion received news that their home world of olympia had rebelled so this was like another shame on top of the previous failure of not securing uh the garrison at the sacra draw a deep campaign and the world of olympia now even though it had been transformed by the imperium um it had been drained of men and resources again the iron warriors had seen so much brutal conflict that so many of them had like they needed to recruit so many because obviously their attrition rates were pretty high um and i was thinking there's there's a part where like in the books i think it's too uh, it might be not remembrances. I, th- I think it might be remembrances. And they actually have like, um, was that you put like a VR headset on Olympia just to see what some of the battles were like of Perturabo. And there's a bit where one of them puts on and he just gets immediately sick because like an overwhelming tide, like gunfire and iron warriors, like missing limbs and fighting on. It's like insane just to see how they basically fought. And now back above the skies of Olympia, Perturabo was pissed. He was incredibly um annoyed not even covering it if, if i'm honest he was just swelled with anger and the people of olympia try to try to negotiate with him because obviously their world is basically falling apart now in terms of like society wise but Rabo didn't want to hear it and he ordered decimation upon his own home world and this was something the legion many of them were still obviously there were some who were still Terrans, but many of them now were, were very much from Olympia. They'd grown up here. And so many of them actually struggled to even carry out this order. Some of them even refused, like saying, there's a scene where one of them says, I grew up in a home like this. What are we doing? And some of them, again, this would leave, lead to another small culling of their ranks as those, you know, not strong enough to yeah. carry out the order. And Perturabu... This is something that's not not unheard of in other legions, like with Nostramo, where some of the Night Lords are like, I don't want to see this happen, they get killed. So, yeah. Some Mastartes, when they're like, I come from here, they get a bit defensive about you blowing up their homes, you know, just saying. Just a, just <laughs> a little bit. Oh, what cowards, am I right? Yo. <laughs> Where's the loyalty? Um, but uh, Perturabu eventually would confront his adopted sister, Caliphone, the now very ancient one who'd left in charge of Olympia back in when he left for the Great Crusade. And he basically choked her to death, the old lady, very sad. And 
this is actually the point where he realizes what he's been, what he's done, and he went too far, and he starts to weep. Like Perturbo, full on, like he's never cried in his life, and he starts to weep because he's he's killed his family, and his his home world is like burning around him. Okay, sorry, Colin, you say something. His his singular moment of self reflection amidst a sea of man child behavior, pretty much. But then this Olympia has basically been decimated, so a portion of the population has been. You know, they're basically cold. They've been, and a certain anger has been taken out on them because they didn't, in from Perturabo's perspective, Olympia didn't know how good they had it compared to so many other worlds where he's seen, you know, they've seen the very worst the galaxy had to offer. So he's like, what do you mean? Why are you complaining? It's like the rich kid saying, I'm having a difficult time because my Ferrari's, you know, not the right color. And Perturabo's <laughs> going, you what? You know what I mean? Like my whole family my is not well. My, what are you talking my about? Ferraris in the shop. I have to use the Mercedes like a peasant. <laughs> it, it, that's what it, that's what it sounded like to his ears. Obviously, they had real concerns. But the Fourth Legion and Primarch were waiting to hear censure now because they realized they'd probably gone too far. But they were met with complete silence. Um, no censure came from the Emperor. Perturabo thought. The emperor will, he'll never forgive me for what I've done to my own home. The emperor didn't say a thing. There was absolutely silence. Again, reinforcing the fact that the fourth legion were simply not even acknowledged, which then sort of turned into, again, anger, resentment, because it is literally like he's screaming clearly like a kid, dad, notice me, even though the fourth legion in a way feel the same, that, you know, please dad, notice me, but... It just, reinforced, yeah. it just reinforced their resentment to the Emperor and the Great Crusade, which so many had died for. And it would be in this position now that uh, a certain War Master Horus would come to them and he would exploit this um, sort of sense of, you know, resentment towards the Emperor and the Imperium that didn't care about them. And that... I have... Oh, go ahead, sir. I have read some I can't find the source but I'm pretty sure I've heard that there is a there is possibly a hint somewhere that Horus was the one who kind of kicked off spark of rebellion on Olympia to turn uh, Perturabo on his side but I'm not it's sure It's possible when I read the Primark book of Perturabo it's generally uh, implied that this thing had been building for all, like basically since the start essentially i know his foster father is like still in charge when he leaves and he's like oh, oh he, i don't want to yeah. like be in charge the tyrant he, of uh low cost yeah low cost that's the one he uh well i think he's he's dead at this point he died um during the great crusade but essentially yeah like olympia was not olympia was made to compliant it wasn't like many other primates like fulgrim fulgrim brought his world together through diplomacy fulgrim didn't even have to fight uh Perturabo had conquered his world um, through force and many of the, you know, fourth legion, many of the Olympian in the fourth legion had only known an existence like that of just, you know, you you make, might makes right essentially. And that, my uh, brothers, is the end of the first three legions during the Great Crusade. Obviously the Horus Heresy for each of those legions starts immediately after that. Is there any questions or thoughts about any of the legions or some of the law we've covered here here's one uh of all the ones we've mentioned today which is your favorite i know that i know what eli's gonna say for sure <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll go we'll go also colin do you want to say who's your favorite uh, is it none you know, of them? <laughs> no no i 
it's not the Dark Angels. I don't dislike the Dark Angels. I rate them a 6 out of 10. They're there. I'm pretty content. I have no interest in learning more about them, but I'm happy they exist, and Deathwing is fun. Uh, so, you know. Uh, I do actually, I do like the Emperor's Children. Uh, I like their fall. It's a very, very tragic. They were one of the few legions who weren't just pricks. Uh, I actually do also like the Iron Warriors. I I, I can't even muster the energy to say I hate Perturabo. I'm disappointed in everything about Perturabo. <laughs> Little it's bit like when, child, yeah. Like Childish. when your parents say it, they're not mad, they're just disappointed. That's what I feel every time I think about Perturabo. I'm disappointed. So like you, you, look at, you look at them exists. like like you look at the Iron Warriors like they're a good friend of yours, and then you see their dad like drunkenly shouting in the living room, and you're like, ugh, he's a really cool guy, but his dad is such an idiot. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's got a problem. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I think I'll give it to uh, Iron Warriors uh, as the Legion, uh, because although uh, I do also quite like the Emperor's Children, uh, they joined Slanesh. Uh, spoiler alert! Sorry, and I, I can't, I, I cannot abide that. She who thirsts must be must be defeated. What about you, Eli? Who's your uh, favorite? Obviously, it, 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 we know, we know, it's the Emperor's Children. Praising the internet. Except, <laughs> what are you, Andy? I, I do like my Dark Angels. I've got to be honest. I like I like the the King Arthur aesthetic. I like knightly order stuff, and I like their books. And oh, I like they, the Lion. They do have they do have unbelievable drip. They really do, especially they, they, old Warhammer art. Oh my oh god! My god. So yeah. Bring back old Warhammer art guy. I don't remember his name. He's retired, but John Blanche. Yeah, was when Warhammer looked cool. Bring back whoever made the Eldar look like a packet of Skittles coming to kick your ass. <laughs> I would say, I think, I remember it's Legions, it's not obviously Primark, but I will say the, ah, oh, it's difficult because the Empress Children have like the better earlier half, you know, like it's when there's like, you know, in the first half they had me. Empress Children have probably the better first half, but I think the Iron Warriors kind of slightly sneak up into first position for me just because they mm-hmm. they just get such like they just they don't have a win if you know what i mean they just they just endure it like so much misery the entire time um, <laughs> i like uh, yeah like they're like oh maybe our dad will be cool oh no <laughs> maybe maybe things will be better soon oh no it's the heresy oh uh, maybe we'll have the oh no we've lost the war <laughs> that's, that's the iron cage that's why i like the iron warriors and not their dad because they're just constantly like i'm just i'm trying I'm not giving up. I'm trying. But until like <laughs> after that. With the biggest daddy issues and they have yeah. the worst time of anyone. <laughs> until like after the heresy, they're like, that's when they're finally like, I give up. I'm just going to be the worst on purpose now. And they're like, uh, I'm moving out. I'm making my own way. I'm going, I'm going to get my own place. You'll see. I'll, I'll be successful. They do have the better, um, the better uh, catchphrases, if you know what I mean as well. Iron, iron within, within iron, iron that, that is that, that is, is the fair. most metal you know and also the unbreakable listening is still i wouldn't say the empress children or dark angels have better things to sh- i mean dark angels silent <laughs> i mean the empress children just shout for the emperor but it is slightly mean something because like for daddy or something but um <laughs> i think yeah iron warrior's got the better overall I, I mean empress children better aesthetic i'd sl- i'd say just like from like their uh, Horus Heresy stuff, I think, because I don't think the modern, like the forty k Empress Children, have got. They, they look a bit, bit. Hey, we got drip. We got drip. 
No, I mean, modern mm. Dark Angels, I think I'd say the best mm. modern drip, especially the Lions. You know, they, they do have a fairly decent war cry, repent for tomorrow you die. That's a cool one. It's pretty it's, good. That's it's actually good. Too bad. I think I just think there's too many words in it. Uh, it's uh, maybe not too many, but it's definitely approaching the upper limit of like, hey, you gotta, you we're gotta to, stop. We're trying to convey a complex it. thought in the middle of a battlefield. <laughs> when you need a short one, you just go for the lion. You're done. Yeah, see that for for the X is always great. Or just the repent one is when you're like on the boarding torpedo and you're like just sending a transmission like you wake up, you better be ready to repent tomorrow. Yeah. You die. How long has this thing got to go? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. We're gonna wreck you. Like that's I, I, yeah. say that Re- repent tomorrow. You die is great for like like you said as you're entering the battle, not when you're on the battlefield and <laughs> mid charge. Then you just sound like you need to practice your writing skills. I mean the best one is um Dredgenon's Kill a Man <laughs> just <laughs> That'd be the my, best. My I'm favorite saying. still Grimgor Ironhide. He just shouts shame say my name, say my name. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. He spreads dwarfs across the mountain. It needs to be a crossover meme with the the breaking bad man was like say my name. Grimgor? God damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with that being said, though, that was uh, part two of the Great Crusade. Uh, next time, we should be doing the next three legions. So I'm guessing that will be Imperial Fists, um, who's White Scars and what? Space Wolves. Yes, that'll be yeah. those three. I mean, that'll be a pretty... Uh, I think we've all got our favorite already before that's even started. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, um, hopefully that, that'll be quite a fun one because I think that happens quite... There's quite a lot that happens to especially the White Scars with all their really good books, so we'll get into that one. Um, with that being said, though, thank you guys so much for listening, for watching. I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed this one. It's quite information-dense, this one, but we hope we covered some very cool stuff, and we'll catch you all on the next one. Peace. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. Love you lots.